This is the A to Z podcast. I'm Zach Jackson. He's Andre Knott. We are at Akron Jackson and at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms or facebook.com slash A to Z podcast, A to Z podcast.com. As always, we start by thanking our sponsors, Honeymoon Grill, Cleveland Scene, American Fireworks. And by warning you guys that we sometimes get excited and venture into mature slash immature subjects, save four-letter words. And so if that's not for you, if there are kids around, if you're in a work environment, put on your earbuds or come back another time. Because we don't want anybody to get in trouble for listening to A to Z. So I now throw it to my partner who constantly lives just on the right side of trouble. Welcome back to Ohio, buddy. Yeah! How you doing? I'm I'm back in Ohio, too. We were both in Texas, though, at different times. Yeah. For different things. Um, you did the right thing. You got up this morning. You got the kids dressed, and you took them to Swenson's. I'm proud of you. Hey, path to battle. I know I'm still being – I'm, I'm consistent to the same dad if I just do that. And it's the best part is I ask them, and they know right where I'm at. They, it's like it's like, it's like getting in their head. I ask that question, and I already know the answer, and they know the answer I want to hear, and they want to, know, they want to say the answer I want. It's perfect. They say Swenson's. <laughs> we go to Swenson's, and I'm off to a great weekend. I, go, I work tonight. Get Saturday off, which really won't be an off day, as I'll run around and go to 18 different games with my kids and nephews, and uh, I enjoy that and cook out and swim and all that other stuff and cut my grass. And before I know it'll be Sunday, and I'll be back at the ballpark. But well, first of all, I know you're lying about cutting your own grass. But second of all, a sign that you're living well is when they're playing the Detroit freaking Tigers, but you still are able to wrangle a national game day off out of it. That's that's pretty good. No. Good work, FS1. I don't know what made you put that one together two years ago. I hope you guys know Justin Verlander left years ago. <laughs> Alan Trammell no longer and, plays for the Tigers. Yeah. Sweet Lou Whitaker right up the middle, boys and girls. You might want to go get somebody else. Um, and number two, I do cut my grass, mofo. I, it's one of my favorite things to do, to, to be completely honest. Even though my dad did say he'd help me out, and he didn't. I like cutting my grass because I can listen to bad radio and bad podcasts um, and grade them and, and make sure I feel better about myself as I cut my grass. I don't know. I, I mean, backyard. You, you've built this nearly infallible Dre don't lie thing, you know, nearly infallible. <laughs> but I, I, I don't know. I, I, I still I, I can't believe that you're telling me the truth. I promise you. I, if I was going to lie about something, if I was going to mess up that fallacy, I would not be about cutting grass. I like cutting grass. Sometimes it's the only workout I get in a week. Hey, <laughs> if I do it. So, I, by the way, before we get on to another topic of conversation, I, I mean, I don't want to feed the trolls, but I got to admit, when little Mikey texted you today or, or replied to your tweet with Panera, <laughs> <laughs> that was that was brilliant, and it took all I could to stay out of it. Oh, <laughs> uh, it was perfect. Little Mikey knew what he was doing. Hey, I hear Panera's coming up with de- – it's so funny when you bring up something. It's like when you get a car. And then you realize how many other cars are like the car that you have suddenly. Um, just how your mind works. It's amazing that once we start talking about the Panera stuff, how many things about Panera come up in my timeline and conversations and meeting people and knowing people. It's amazing. And now they're coming up with like a dinner menu and the people are just killing it. People are like, that'll be overpriced bread. It's too hard to chew. And I'm thinking, my kids eat that shit twice a week. They love Panera. <laughs> The, the, the white num, the, the, the half, white. Half, half of their makeup says they crave that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, they this shit. It ain't their fault. It's the daddy's fault. Panera, uh, I love you. They got good Wi-Fi, according to Z. Hey, we were both in Texas. Uh, they say everything is bigger in Texas. In Texas, I actually, we were having this discussion. My camera guy, Mitch, and I. I, I tend to. Mitch is one of the. Uh, 
more intelligent people that I work with and travel with on the daily. Uh, he covered the and he was the camera guy for the Cavs and traveled with them for years. So I could never put him on the podcast because he would tell too much. But the stories I can get from him about just going through the last six, seven years with the Cavs, traveling with them, and now traveling with us and seeing what he sees. I know I could write a hell of a book that would make me move out of Cleveland, but you guys would love it. And Terry Pluto would be pissed off because I'd be telling stories <laughs> that he's been trying to wrangle up for 25 years. But Mitch could write some, sh- but Mitch could write some shit uh, just because he's, you know, because he- he's got that perfect role. He's a camera guy. Everybody knows him, but no one knows his name. And he hears all kinds of conversations. People just willingly talk in front of him because he does Like, it's just funny. Like, I, I want to do a documentary on how-, how camera guys get dealt with. Like, because honestly, because, like, they're behind the camera, so most of the time people just – like, a player will talk to me and not realize he's right there, and they realize it, and they'll say the wildest shit ever. And he'll look at me and be like, man, they really trust me and have no idea who I am. And I'm like, Mitch, they know if you're with me um, that you're trustworthy. Otherwise, they wouldn't talk. But him and I were talking about down south in Texas. Like, when you go to certain parts and, – and this goes for anybody. And I'm sure we'll get tweets and texts about it, and that's fine. I don't know why for me, and I know it's in the South, and shout out to Mumbles himself, Sean Smith. Hope you're doing well. Uh, don't, don't punch nobody this weekend. I love you. Um, I don't treat Dallas or Texas, Austin, where you went. Am I allowed to say that yet? Yeah, yeah, you're allowed. You're allowed. Okay, okay. Um, I don't treat Austin and Dallas like the South. Like, I, I, even though they've got, like, a twang, like, Texas is his own, like, country on its own, right? Or is this just me? Now, when I go to, like, Florida, uh, Alabama, Mississippi, uh, the Carolinas, I feel like I'm in, the, I'm in the south, like where the rebel flags don't fly. I don't know why Texas makes me feel so comfortable. I know it's in the south. And Mitch and I went back and forth about this. For whatever reason, Texas just doesn't give me that. And it, you still get a little twang, but there, it's such a big city atmosphere. It doesn't feel like the south to me. Are, well, first the first of all. Depending on which which way you out of your neighborhood to go to go to the stadium to hit the rebel flag flag that part. <laughs> you ain't lying. That's the truth, Ruth. <laughs> um, yeah, you, you know it's. I hadn't hadn't been Austin since I was a kid. Since I was eighteen years old. Um, um, it is. It's it grown it, like crazy. There's that whole whole weird part of Austin. There's obviously the whole the whole U city part of Austin. See, I I encountered a lot of of. Old Texas, a lot of twang, a lot of big truck trucks, a lot of fancy dressed people with big belt buckles, uh, and my shorts right. that stayed there. So, so I would I would say I like I was I was in now Dallas, uh, especially given how it is. Uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, last time or two times two times ago I was in Dallas. It was thirty seven degree degrees and snowing sideways, so so it did like the south. <laughs> I'm sure, you know, you know, I didn't watch the games comes close. I did learn, learn that Rangers are moving into, into a newer stadium, which makes sense because I know it's, it's usually like 150 fucking degrees there, right? Yeah, only problem is they open up a stadium the same year. Their baseball stadium opened up the same year as Progressive Field. Yeah. Like, talk about, talk about, well, that tells you the difference in Dallas, Texas, and Cleveland, Ohio, and most big cities. That they can afford to put up another stadium right outside of a stadium they just built 25 years ago, give or take. Uh, it's probably like it's a and they already paid for and I know Jerry paid for a lot of Jerry's world, but still and I mean you're right they should have put a, a, a they should have put a top on their stadium all along. Um, it is amazing though because it's one of the better stadiums we still go to, and it's going to be done uh, after this season. They got 42 more games I think after there 41 more games in that stadium, 
uh, the rest of the – and then they're going to move. You know they're going to keep it up, and you know why they're going to keep it up? And only in Dallas, Texas can you do this, or Arlington, whatever it's called. Don't tell me they're turning they're it into it a rodeo. Turn it into what? Repeat. A rodeo. Nah, I'm sure the rodeo will get run there if Jerry allows it. They're going to play uh, XFL football games there. Really? That's the plan. For the two That's years the that XFL's around? around. For, you mean for the three weeks that <laughs> XFL makes it? <laughs> Yeah, well, see, see, it's interesting out there because, because like, when you think think Dallas, well, obviously, it's it's huge metroplex, right? But, but Arlington is yeah. 45 out, right? It, I'm estimating. Right. Yeah. Hey, you're kind of out there, and it's like. Me. Hey, you're, you're kind of max headrooming on me. I don't know if we should stop and reset or. You've sounded good to me. Me? So, yeah. Okay. All right. Well, anyway, well, anyway. We'll be all right. Let's go. Yeah, no, bro. Anyway, this is what what we do here. We, we kind of roll. Um, <laughs> every, everything's good for me. No, so, no. So let me ask you, especially because you because you have me there, you would know. No, like, I mean, the Rangers haven't, haven't been good in a long time. Or are they they a big deal there? Like, was there a big push for that? I knew nothing about about it. I had to tune in when it, when uh, it was just right. I think more than anything else, I think that the success that they've had with Jerry's World plays into it. I think the Heat. I mean, we talked about this over the last two days of our broadcast. You very rarely see a game like we had Thursday, a 4-2, 2 game. Uh, I think they – and I even said on the air in the broadcast, I was like, as a pitcher, I don't know if it's worse to pitch here or in Colorado. Mm-hmm. Um, the game is just different. It's so windy. It's so hot. Um, I think they're just taking advantage that, hey, that they have – they're in a time and place that they can talk their taxpayers into building a new stadium. And I think if you got behind the doors with any owners, many owners, they would all say, hey, if the taxpayers will pay for a new building, we'll take it, right? Sure. I think they see new revenue being able to come in with it. Um, I think they see, they see, like I said, they see what Jerry's World has been able to do. And not only that, they're doing like a Texas Live, like you said, they're complex. Like they're going to turn it into a whole shebang to come into Arlington, Texas. And it's funny because, you know, driving in with with Arch, you know, who played, he's like, dude, he goes, when the old art, the old stadium that they had, he goes, there was nothing in Arlington. Now, you've been to Arlington, and I'm sure mm-hmm. half our listeners have come to, you know, gone, to that, gone to that area. He's like, you, he's just blown away because he's like, when I played ball, none of this stuff, you know, was, was around. Now you have like a Six Flags, multiple hotels. Uh, you know, you can just go down the list of just all the just different restaurants and stores and different things you can do in that area. And that's really changed in the last 30 years. So... Was there an outcry for a new stadium? I would say no. I would just say in the typical Texas fashion that they have, they did it because they could. It makes perfect sense. It, it does. Um, it's funny you say opened up the same year as Jacobs Field because that makes it, what, exactly 25 years old, um, which isn't old, right? It isn't new. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, that's certainly – I knew it was about that – about that time was my guess anyway, you know, about how old it would have been. Maybe right. even, maybe I would have even guessed a little later uh, than the mid nineties. So it was just interesting. And, you know, obviously for the heat, cause I know they're in the summer, like on Sundays, they play games at six oh. o'clock at night because it's just, you right. can't play during the day. It's unbearable, but it's from like an event standpoint, you know, where in many places, the reason you build an indoor stadium is so you can have other things and India, as we know is the Midwestern city. That's probably done it the best Minneapolis kind of catching up to that. But in Arlington, you already have Jerry's world, which blows all these other ones completely out of the water for, for big events. So I don't know. I guess, I guess I just, 
discounted momentarily anyway just how big that the Dallas Metroplex really is. There's room. I mean, as football crazed as it is, right, and, and, and basketball right. has been pretty relevant there, there's still room. There's still so many people. I guess there's kind of room right. for, for everything and everybody. And plus, you can never have enough stadiums in Texas to play the high school football playoffs. That's just true, exactly. too. Exactly. <laughs> and you know that'll happen. They'll play the state semifinals there and then play the finals over in, in Jerry's world. They just had uh, Sir Paul. Uh, he he actually played at the baseball ballpark outside on the last Friday, and I was like, who would come see a concert outside? I think the one thing that you look at, the big concerts and the big events are all going to go to Jerry's World. I think they look at it as if you get festivals and smaller, you yeah. know, smaller events, that's what they're going to try to take advantage of with these two other parks. And like I said, they're building like a Texas Live kind of a strip mall in between all the stadiums. So even if you can't get into the game, right. they'll basically have a bunch of bars, restaurants right outside uh, where you can just park and you can be a part of all the fe- – like they have like a – like I can't even – like I can't even do it justice like what the Sex is Live is set up as. Oh, I'm sure. But it's like you have like stadium seats with huge big screens stacked on top of big screens. It's, uh, you know, it's a sports bar heaven uh, if you can't afford to get the tickets to get into the actual building. All right. Since we're talking baseball, um, let me ask you this. No, nobody knows if the Indians are going to be outright sellers. There's different versions, right? Uh, there's still there's yeah. some obvious moves they can make, uh, even if they well, won't let me, contend let me this stop year. Here. They okay. won't be outright sellers. Outright sellers will be selling everything. That's right. not going to happen. Right. So that, I'll, I'll start there, but go ahead. Yeah, so what I'm saying is most likely, and nobody knows, right? It does change, but most likely you would, you would, try, you would try to move some pieces to position yourself to still contend next year, right? Um, sure. Yeah, right. So, I mean, you're around these guys every day. They know. So, I mean, there, there's a couple of them that aren't going anywhere, but a lot of them know. So kind of just, you know, what's the vibe as you go through something like this? Because, frankly, the last three years you've been doing this job, they've been buying or getting ready to or at yeah. least maybe perceived to be at this point of the year. Well, I think the question you have is legitimate. And if I was doing stupid radio, um, I'd have to come up and try something to make somebody call in that's stupid and doesn't go to baseball games or watch baseball games anyway. And then you consider themselves to be the voice of what is going on with the team. I will say this. They may try to make moves so they can make the playoffs this year and change salary around. Because sure. why? Because that's the situation they're in. They're one, they're one of the top five, six, they're one of the top five, six teams in the American league. And I know that's hard. And I know, uh, well, look, we're just, you know, Jason Lloyd did the perfect thing the other day. He came up to me after the game. He's like, I'm going to write something that's not going to be that popular at home. He goes, but, he goes, I'm kind of sick of everything. I don't want to put words in Jason's mouth. I would never do that. But he was like, offensively, what they've done in June, and when you look at their record, their record, do you know their record right now is basically what it's been the last three, four years? Like, would you know that without no. talking to me? I don't know if you would. Like, no. If you listen to radio and see the, how people, and it go to Twitter, but don't, because nothing but dumbasses live there for the most part, <laughs> me included, because I'll just say screw you guys anyway. But their record is basically what it's been the last three, four years. And as Jason Kipnis said to me a couple of days ago, They've always notoriously been a better team in the second half than they are in the first half. So, in answering your question the weirdest way I can, look, Kipnis knows he won't be back next year. I don't know what they're going to do financially. I know that money doesn't flow the way that they want it to flow. Uh, but I think they are going to make moves. They're going to try to do something that you really can't do. And I'll continue saying that and they do it. And if they achieve what they're trying to achieve, they're going to really be smarter than what anybody else is. They're trying to rebuild and, and win at the same time. And that usually right. nine times out of ten fails, right? I've said that, and I'll continue saying that. Yeah. 
Uh, but they but they have a very unique situation, Zach, where the division they have, and because of how they've drafted, I'm going to give the Indians credit. I want people, look, they're not perfect, and they run some lineups out there day in and day out that drive me crazier than you and drive Tito crazier than you. Um, if you guys really knew what Tito wanted and how Tito wanted to play, you would. And I'm, I don't yeah, look. I don't have to stand up for Tito. He makes plenty of money and he's fine. And he, but I see and read so many people thinking he's attached to certain players. No, he plays pretty much what management gives him. Okay, um, I think they're in a weird situation where even if they move Bauer, like we all think they're going to move Bauer, and I've had some players say to me, "Look, we get Bauer's got to be traded. They don't want to pay him twenty million dollars next year." But the teammates are saying right now. And I, and I can tell you, the team is playing better right now with the message to the management, leave us to bleep alone. Let us play. Let us stay the way we are. You constructed us the way we are. We can make the playoffs how we are. Don't F us up. I've had multiple players say that. Now, I've also said to guys, look, I think they're going to move out. I know San Diego and I know the Yankees have been to, like, every one of his starts basically all season long. I don't think they're going to move Brad Hand unless they get somebody's whole farm system. Um, and if you get somebody's whole farm system, I, and with the situation the Indians are in, you take it. The Indians aren't the Yankees. They aren't the Red Sox. They aren't the Dodgers. They've, did pretty, they've done pretty damn well to play with those guys without having the same salary you know, restrictions that they have. They're going to do what's best to not only try to make the playoffs in 2019, they're going to do their best to try to make the playoffs in 2020. Um, and I think that's the last year they ride out with Frankie, and they're going to try to have a team that they can go to the playoffs with Frankie. Um, and if they can get the right move, the right thing to replace Frankie in a year, year and a half, um, they feel like with the pitching that they've drafted and cultivated, and I think you'd be foolish to fight this, when you look at, and I know it's early, but Bieber looks like the keeper and looks like he's going to be a number one starter for a long time. Plesak's only made a handful of starts, but he seems to have it, whatever it may be. He has that swag, that confidence, and a fastball at 96 miles an hour. Uh, you have Clevenger. You have three legitimate starters that you control for a very long time. So I turned a game on the other night and I saw the braids in Clevenger's hair <laughs> or whatever those things yeah. are. I was like, check I, out my man, what? Ken Moore Clevenger. What is going yeah. on? Yeah. I love that dude. But there's no, so yeah, Dre, I mean, listen, this, this is a, a discussion, um, you know, that kind of applies to other sports too. The Indians theoretically could make the playoffs this year, um, and, and you know, we, we say it all the time. Sometimes the hot team wins, and to win the tournament, you got to get in right. the tournament. Uh, it would seem like if they got their their deficiencies would would not leave them much Show of a up. chance. But you're right. I, I mean, I am totally on board with you still have to try to contend next year. And, and I'm not going to sit here and claim yeah. to know baseball or or the financial situation or, more importantly, what market really is or isn't for certain guys, right? But but I would right. think you, you have enough talent, even with this year, what's gone wrong, the deficiencies that have shown up, the decisions that you would like to take back, right? You still, I would think, theoretically can point towards next year winning the division and, and playing with the big boys, right? I think that's right. Fair. Well, you're saying – yeah, you said the key word. I think the one that we've learned in the last three years, all of us, if we're honest, nobody has no fucking clue what happens when you get to the playoffs. You just got to be hot. 2016, I thought we were going to play three games and go home. Instead, we played until the last game of the season. 2018, I thought we had, I didn't think they could be touched. We went home after five games. Mm-hmm. Last year, I told you they were going to get swept. And they got swept. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like, you just don't know. So you, you play it out. You try your best. Um, and I just, I, like I said, I'll stick with this. 
Um, if I would, I, I'm still pissed off they didn't get Michael Brantley or try to keep Michael Brantley. But if I would have told you that they would lose everything that they lost, that Cl- that Kluber would get hurt early, that Clevenger would get hurt after two starts, that Jose Ramirez would start hitting like Andre Knott and not like Jose Ramirez, that Lindor would miss a month, that Bauer would have a, a month where he couldn't win, um, that you got a center fielder that shouldn't be. Nah, I'm gonna stop. You know, they, the deficiencies just like just blow are blown out of the window, and I would tell you they got the same record they had two years ago at this point in time. And they're basically a game away from where they were a year ago. Would you believe me? And if that was any other team, would you trust that team for the last 100 games? I think you would say yes. You're still not mowing your own grass tomorrow, you fucking liar. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, hey, that's, that's him answering yes, and he hates what I'm writing. That asshole goes asshole, <laughs> All right, enough baseball. Not, I might not cut tomorrow. But when the I baseball minute will be back on August 15th. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, no, no. I got to talk one more thing baseball. It's my podcast too, bitch. Then you can take over. <laughs> um, there was a disagreement in the dugout yesterday between Francisco Lindor and uh, Leonis Martin. It was beautiful. It was glorious. And it happens with sports teams daily. Cameras usually don't catch it. It's not the first disagreement this team has had. Won't be the last disagreement people they've had. Um, I saw on Twitter some people going, Tito didn't even say anything. No, actually, that went exactly how Tito wants it. When you're a leader, you want you, – when you're the coach, manager, or the president of a team, you don't want to have to tell somebody how to play the game in the right way every time they fuck up. Mm-hmm. You want your leaders on the team or one of your better players to tell his teammates or his peers, get your head out of their ass, hit the cutoff, man, go after the ball. Tito loved it. And I won't go too far, but I was sitting four feet away from Tito when it happened. He turned around and looked, looked back at the field. After he heard the voices getting louder, he turned around and looked to make sure nobody punched anybody. He looked at it at one of his coaches, and he kind of had this look on his face of a proud papa. That's how leadership works, and let me leave it at that. There will be more to this story the next time we do baseball. Baseball is one minute. But okay. I would say this. If you don't know what the argument was about and you don't really know how teamwork and how team structure is, just sit back and enjoy it and stop making your five-cent opinion on Twitter and social media. Okay. Um so the Browns training camp schedule is out today on The Athletic. I, I offered some tips if you want a plan to go out there. I uh, hope you can read it. I would tell you it's the, the excitement you feel is what everybody feels they're going to have unprecedented crowds and energy levels and barking and all of this stuff. So just plan accordingly. You know, Be early if you have a certain day. Uh, if you can, if you have flexibility in August, go on a weekday rather than the weekend so you can breathe, so you can actually see rather than just being elbow to elbow. The Browns have done a tremendous job, and I credit behind the scenes people over the last couple of years of making it tons better than it used to be. The reality is it's like a big fenced in backyard in a, in a residential neighborhood. There's only so much you can do there. And the trend, you know, only nine teams across the NFL still go away for camp. And the primary reason is you just you spend so much money on making your facility the absolute top of the top that to take it away at a time when guys are pushing themselves as hard as they do, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. So, um, again, the Browns, go to their website, their social media for all the details. I think it's next Wednesday, the first time the general public can claim them. But it's going to be fun. Uh, I'm looking forward to being out there. 
Freddie's doing the right thing and having morning practices, which is great for my schedule. But I, um, All about Fat Zach. Yeah, it's not the hottest part of the day. The energy level should be good. And, you know, in years where the team has sucked, we know people have gone to training camp day one and chanted Super Bowl and painted themselves up and all of that stuff. And uh, it's going to be fun. The, the hype is... Um, <laughs> The hype is only going to continue to grow because every year in training camp, again, when the, even when the Browns are not supposed to be good, people talk themselves into to things, and so it'll be good. Um, it, it's going to be fun. You need to see Odell Beckham to believe him. I really believe that. We know the offensive pieces are in place, and we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, any follow-up to that, or you want to move on to hoops? Uh, no, you don't want my answer. Go enjoy what he said. I'm yeah. just – I'm becoming old, man, I'm, and Fat has already been on the on the agenda, um, and, I, and it's going to play out when we talk about the NBA, NBA draft as well. I just can't get caught up in, and it's probably my job, and it's probably that I spend spring training and do ground. I think in my career, I've done about 12, 13 years of training camps and spring trainings, and they just don't do anything for me. And I'm not here to brand on people's parades. Um, I get See, the excitement. I, I'm no, gonna... I get the excitement. It just doesn't do anything for me. Like, yeah. I'm more excited, to, between you and I, I'm more excited to take my guy, take my little guy on mornings when I don't have to do anything, and we go watch Wadsworth go through two days. We go watch Copley do two days. We go watch St. V do two days. I mean, when my son's a little bit older and cares about NFL, that, that'll be – I'm just saying, personally, for me, I, and I don't want to come off like uh, – I don't want to come off the way I'm Cranky off. old yeah, man. I'm admitting it. <laughs> I love, but I love the game. You know that I love the game. Yeah, oh, I know. There's facets of there's facets of it that I love during training camp. The shit that you're gonna have to go through, I just I don't. I I do crowds every day. Well, you're <laughs> like, right. I go, and I, I, you know I, how I, I am with that. I want to go, and I don't want to like go zip line. I want to go, and I actually want to watch. <laughs> I want to watch the receivers and the DBs really practice. Yes. I don't need all the other extra shit that gets thrown out there and all the hoopla that comes along with it. That's yeah. Well, all. This is personal meets professional for me, um, but I love it because I love football, and that's the one time we get to watch them practice. You know, you get to right. – it, it's full speed. It's it's practice. Practice during the year, even if you can't watch, it's scaled back. It's situational. It's all – you know, it's all that. So, And you just – you get an appreciation, especially now that they have some big-time talent on the team, for just how good these guys are. No, no. Because I'm the same as you. You know I would go to – all those two days that you mentioned, you know, I, I still try to stop by, right? But you just don't see right. what you see here. And after so many gosh darn years of watching the Browns go through I a week you. of training camp without scoring a touchdown, let me enjoy it, right? I know it means nothing. You're getting ready for what counts. But um, it is cool. I, I have blurry, vague memories of being a kid and my grandpa taking me out to Kirtland to Lakeland CC. Um, you know, I, I have memories of early in my career, basically being a kid, being out there and getting sucked in by seeing guys uh, perform in training camp and not elsewhere. But it's it's cool. And, um, and like I, I said, can't wait. I can't wait till AJ. I can't wait till AJ and his friends ask me to take him to Browns training yeah. camp. I can't. I just know at this point in time, he's not he's not that in tune yet. He would be like I said, going to a high school two a day would be big for him. Mm-hmm. Um, at some point, I might get it back. But like I said, I do spring training every every March, um, and I do. And the thing is, my love for football is even is even because I'm working on some stuff in the fall, um, some different TV shows and some different stuff that you guys may hear about in the next month or so. 
I still love the game, Zach. You know that. I love the intricacies of it. I love, I love how guys have to play and how guys have to do things. I'm just not over over excited about the zoo that you'll call home for about three weeks. <laughs> yeah, I'll make it. I'll make it. I've been training myself. I'm ready to go. Um, basketball, the NBA draft. Uh, I think the Cavs did well. Uh, let me toot my own horn. Remember when the lottery came and remember when I talked about a kid named Darius Garland? Uh-huh. Remember? I do. Yeah. I do. Uh, look, he's a really gifted kid. His season was cut short. Fat men, fat men, fat men patting themselves on the back that overwhelmed his podcast. <laughs> yes, Continue. yes. This is exactly what this is. <laughs> we, like you say, I tweet like no one's in the room. Well, right now, we, neither one of us gives a shit if anybody's listening. We're just talking to each other and complimenting the shit out of ourselves. <laughs> Ah, yes. Good. Continues, young man. (laughs) Um, You know, he didn't even make it to Thanksgiving uh, before he got hurt. So, you know, that stunted his development. I'm sure it led to some concern for teams, but I I trust that the Cavs and others did their homework. The Cavs are very much, guys, in the asset building and grow. You don't sign – you don't go hire John Beeline to coach – who's known for maximizing young players' talents, if you don't... But he's like 70. Right. But if you don't fully embrace that this is a long-term rebuild. So I think the discussion about how Garland and Sexton might fit is silly because it's it's for down the road. That's silly. And it's silly to to compare them to Portland's backcourt or Golden State's backcourt. Yes. Right, because they're children. And I'm not trying to... Yes. Yeah, I'm not the wet blanket. And I like... I love John Beeline. But to be completely honest, I didn't remember he was the head coach of the team until I got in the car and drove home from the airport. <laughs> That's fair. That's um, fair. Right? But, but to go off what you're saying, and I agree with what you just said, I just hope John Beeline's got some really good – Just he's an older gentleman, and you're right. This is for the long run. And for people that are complaining about – like I heard Hammer. Hammer, I'm saying your name because when you say stupid – well, you say stupid stuff a lot. But like he's on – he's like, I just thought – I think one of these guys is going to be a six-man. They're trying to gain as many assets as they possibly can right now. This ain't about like finding the final piece of the puzzle. This ain't even trying to make the playoffs. This is trying to see what puzzle pieces you have, mm-hmm. and then you figure out how they fit. Am I getting correct in thinking that? No, you're right. Uh, Dylan Wind- and I know it's college and the NBA are not the same, but Dylan Windler is a John Beeline guy. He is a step-out shooter. He can really shoot the piss out of the ball. Um, obviously, mean, right? Yep. <laughs> Well, I mean, Belmont, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm playing. Belmont's in Tennessee. I know it. Yeah. I, uh, my uncle, or, uh, who went? I know somebody that went there. And, no, he is a beeline player. I'm going to stop being a smart ass. Yeah. I like him. I actually like him. Yeah, listen, he can he can really shoot it. And uh, he worked out for – this is something – I don't know if they – because the press conference started today about this time we started the podcast. So I don't know if you said this, but Dylan worked out for almost every team from the low 20s to the mid-30s. And he told people that he knew that he felt like the Cavs were his best workout. He felt like a good vibe there all the way. And I think Golden State was going to take him at 28 if the Cavs didn't take him. So, again, um, what is he long-term? How does he fit? Is he only ever going to be a seventh man? I, you know, maybe. He's certainly going to have a huge adjustment coming from the OVC to the NBA. But shooting translates today. And, uh, yes, he's, you know, he, he, can, he can do it. And then I, I love the gamble at number 30 on a kid that Absolutely. had some trouble and isn't a sure thing, but has some big time talent in a one-on-one type game has some big time natural ability. Uh, hopefully he learned from, 
from you know going from a five-star recruit with all this attention to being suspended and being way off the radar and going 30 you know i think it usually goes one of two ways with these guys dre they either continue to be shitheads yeah. right we know the shithead theorem or, shithead or they theorem. learn from that and they're humbled by this and you know playing in canton or kid, being the 11th man should be a humbling experience so we'll see what that happens kid but tal- that kid is that kid is talented as shit kid is and very people talented don't, and i don't know why i don't know why people seattle's a hotbed for high for high school hoops always has been just great basketballs played up there um and he's a kid from that uh, mm. so i look forward to that i think he's gonna be my favorite player to keep up with even though you're right he may play in canton more than he plays in cleveland in 2000 you know 19 20 uh, the other thing I'd bring up, how about the OVC having two guys taken in the first round? Yeah. What does that say to you? It says that um, you can do it from anywhere and that really to stay away from all the bullshit, the rankings, and, and all the stuff that goes on, you know. Um, yeah. Good players are, are everywhere, and just because Kentucky or Duke doesn't recruit you and just because you're not labeled a one-and-done and the next great savior when you're 15 years old means that it's over, right? Um, shoot, right. the OBC tournament was awesome. <laughs> it really was. And I, at the time, everybody knew about John Morant and figured he'd be the number two pick in the draft. I wasn't watching Dylan Windler that night going, mm, oh, yeah, he's going to be a first-rounder. But big-time uh, basketball that they played at Belmont, the coach – Rick Bird, he retired uh, after this season. They've done a great job for a long, long time. Uh, they didn't have NCAA tournament success to kind of propel them to the next stage like some of the other mid-majors. But, you know, just because I think a lot of people are like, oh, my gosh, the Cavs took a white guy from the OVC. Well, trust me, this kid can play, and he was coveted by a lot of teams. You know what's my favorite thing about the NBA draft, though, Dre, is going back <laughs> to the previous drafts and just hearing the names, you know? Yeah. Like, where, where, did you watch them in college? Did they get picked by the Cavs? Did they flame out? Did they have one good year and then flame out? Because uh, it, it is so different than the NFL draft because those guys, at very minimum, have played two years of major college football, with few exceptions. Right. right. And right. these guys in basketball is so different because most of these kids are just super athletes and they're babies. You know, their jump shot it needs to come a million miles, right? Uh, seven-footers are like barely cracking 230 pounds because they have no adult muscle yeah. yet. You know, you just don't know. Right. And they're coming into a grown man's game. So there's no guarantees. Uh, you know, I feel like Zion is guaranteed to be pretty good. Will he be a megastar? I don't know. I think the same with John Morant. It'll take them both time. They'll both be under intense scrutiny from the very beginning. I think Memphis did the right thing by moving on from Mike Conley and just giving Ja the ball, right? Saying, here we go. Yeah, We're going to build get, with you. I, I, I agree, but do they get anything back that's like, Corbin will be in L.A. before it's all said and done. Uh, Jay Crowder is Jay Crowder. Like, I just feel like they could have got a little bit more. Yeah, Michael well, Conley, and I'm not, I'm not the Ohio guy beating my chest, but Michael Conley is a very, very, very solid point guard. Yeah, but I think what they did is I think what they got is cap flexibility in, in kind of a restart. You know, I got you. So if Ja hits, and if who they take last year, Wendell Carter? I, no, that was the Bulls. They yeah. took Jaron Jackson. No, Jaron Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know, if those guys go, then they then they've got the flexibility to go chase, um, you know, some other things, and we'll see. And, and Mike Conley obviously was a great Grizzly and a great Grizzly for a long time. You know, they they had their style, they had their run, um, and so you know you get what you can for him and and now utah becomes a real interesting team hey the state of the nba and some people say it's not good for the nba but we've known for the last several years that there were like three teams or four teams every year that could win it but going into this year yeah like 
who, who who really is the favorite? Does anybody think that AD and LeBron can win it? I mean, sure, they're two of the greatest, five greatest players. But when you're talking about all that has to go on and the shit sandwich that's around them and the, the Lakers being what they are, I mean, wow, we'll see. I'd what, hesitate on making them the big wait, favorite. Wait, wait, wait. What was the first part that you said? Because the second part, all the other shit you said about the Lakers, I agree with. The talent those two have, they're going to win 50 games just off of those two guys. Oh, no doubt. Assuming everybody's healthy and engaged, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I get, yeah, this is shitty foundation and shitty stuff going on. And then all that other stuff you said, yes. If Le- LeBron's going to be focused like never before because he hates people talking shit about him, we know the two the rules of all of the land, and he's playing it up hard against one uh, that's going to catch him. Uh, if AD stays healthy, and that's a big if, they win 50 games just, just off the bat. Now, to get to 60 and to get a number one or number three seed or whatever they're trying to get, they're going to need a lot of other things to go right. But Houston ain't right. Golden State ain't right. It truly is the wild, wild west right now. And if you've got to focus LeBron and you've got to focus AD, um, most nights I'm going to take my chances with them is all I'm saying. No, no doubt. Um, but you know what? Win 50, win 60, win 65, win 70. That's not enough. It's title or bust. Right. <laughs> oh, that's but that's that's. I mean, ask Houston. That's, and the Lakers. And the Lakers just mortgaged uh, a decent part of their present and a large part of their future to make this. Now, obviously, Anthony Davis is is an incredible talent and in the star yeah. driven league. You need and you needed to do hey, that because this is what hey, you signed up if for. They go to the West, if they go to the Western Conference Finals, their future is just fine, and they have a good chance to go to Western Conference Finals with help. Now, future. Yeah, I mean, but that's the hey, This is the part we know this better than anybody else. I don't know why we're all reacting the way we are. When LeBron Ramon James is on your roster, all bets and all rules are off. You'll figure that shit out when he's when he's gone. Correct. We know that from Cleveland. We know that from when he went to Miami. That's the deal. When you get a talent like that on your roster, you break the rules. You you do things differently because he gives you a realistic chance to be the lone survivor, the last team standing. Even though he's only done it three times. He's been there, and he's been to the pinnacle enough, and you can make enough money, and especially in L.A., you can do everything else right and not win a title but still be one of the best franchises in basketball, and they know they only got legitimately, let's be honest, you legitimately probably have, and I'm not trying to strike him down, you may have two more unbelievable seasons left in those legs if you're lucky. Yes. Maybe one. I agree. So if you only get one or yeah. If you only get one or two, you got to go balls to the wall and try to make it happen, man. I agree with everything you said, and I think anybody who's followed it even a little bit knows that a bounce-back year LeBron is a dangerous LeBron. However, this is going yeah. to be his age 35 season. This is just the reality, right? And I, I don't disagree. You know, uh, But he's a special human being. Yeah. No, he, he, he truly yeah. is, and so is Anthony Davis, and, and they have right. a chance. Um, they're going to need some shrewd moves. They're going to need luck. They're going to need to manage those guys while trying to gel, yeah. no doubt. I yeah. mean, AD they has need, mostly avoided need, uh, major injury, but he's he's had a lot of minor. Right. I mean, just it's it's yeah. it's the way he plays and the way he's built. You know, it's right. It, they need Palenka really to get in a car accident. They need Palenka to get in a car accident and stay away for six months too. But that's no year, no day. Well, we know LeBron and Rich are running the team because we know the trade got done because David Griffin knows how to talk to those guys, right? And he sat down exactly. and did it, exactly. and then they passed it along. I mean, <laughs> let's just right. 
<laughs> that's not speculation. Well, that's a fucking and fact. It, and then, right, and then, Palenka, and then Palenka still fucked up. Yeah. How does he still have his job? He's an idiot. Oh my gosh, dude! It, it, it uh, is. He messed that. He messed that trade up, man. Oh. They should have had like, how do you like, how do you not have? Here's the other thing. You and I know this, and, I, and this isn't bragging. You put one of us in a – and neither does Rich Paul. Rich Paul's smarter than anything, too, because he don't do no contract work. He don't do that work. They got a lawyer that lives in Cleveland that does all the, the, the real yeah. – I mean, I got to be nice. That carries the luggage the is what I'll say. Yes. <laughs> if you and I had our own industry, if you or I were a president of a team and we were front and center, as stupid as you and I are, we both would say, hey, let's go get Mr. Adamson. Let's go get some lawyers to take care of this contract stuff. We'll just be the front men. Why doesn't Rob Polinka have a true guy that knows how to do the cap and understands how to do the best things with the cap, run it, doing things for him? It's a heck of a question how how it could be the way it's been, right? For every everything, every everything, yeah, <laughs> right. Uh, it, it is it is just that. All right, let's do some congrats and some grats, congrats, and let's get out of here. Um, a few weeks ago, we or maybe a couple months ago now we threw Derek Anderson a retirement party go back and listen to that episode if you haven't a guy I didn't know as well but a guy I really had a lot of respect for Josh McCown um interesting career hell of a good guy um you know up and down and and was never great it says a lot about the state of the Browns that they had to be, to try to beat some other teams into free agency to get him five years ago when they did but uh congrats to Josh on a great career and landing on ESPN where I'm sure he will be good uh, because he's, he's just a, a sharp guy and he knows what he's talking about. And he saw a lot in his time in the NFL. Yeah. I like um, that. Give a congrats. That's a good one. Yeah. Do I have a congrats? I got a congrats. I got a congrats story for me on McCown. I was at that Cleveland uh, sports awards show and uh, me and uh, the Dr. Camino were backstage and McCown was back. It was right after they had just got Johnny Manziel. And for whatever reason, it shows my age. And this is another, this is the ageless podcast, by the way. Um, to show my age, did I called McCown the wrong McCown. After I was told five times not to call him the wrong McCown. He laughed and he goes, at least you didn't call me Johnny. That tells you how good a guy he was. <laughs> I mean, probably the two most embarrassing moments in the new Browns history, and I know there's a lot here, would be Hugh Jackson jumping in the lake and his pants falling off, right? Uh, but the other one would be the press release that came out in 2015 that Johnny's the starter, and we back Johnny, and we thank Josh for his leadership, right? And then the three, then Johnny goes to Austin for the weekend and is rapping on Instagram again, and then a press release comes out the following Tuesday. Well, actually, we've grounded Johnny, and Josh McCown is going to start on Sunday. Grand opening? Speaking of, uh, uh, I, I need to say yeah. this, guys. I meant to say this in my Browns thing earlier, but I got off track. Our buddy Kevin Kleps from uh, Crane's Business, yeah. more of you should be following him. He's a great writer. He's plugged in. He knows what one he's doing. Best, one of the best in Cleveland, no yes. doubt. Yes, Ke- uh, K-L-E-P-S, Kevin Kleps. He had an article the, the other day on the state of the Browns radio contract and, and how weird it was, uh, and it's coming in its last year, and how – Anyway, I'm not going to get into all that because it doesn't benefit either one of us. And frankly, we don't know the business details even if we wanted to get into it. But I just want to tell no you. comment. I just want to tell you guys. Like, this is how bad it was. The fucking people picking the players were also negotiating the radio deal. Joe Banner and Sashi Brown were both involved in getting that done. So, like, I know that for a fact. This is, fact, this is fact. how low the bar is, guys. Like, and now Alex you Steiner, have people running the Alex team. Steiner too? Yeah. 
but like now yeah, you have people running a team that that are like in football and know what they're doing. And I know some of you defended these guys and called us haters for whatever. I just wanted to point that out. Uh, congrats to Kevin for another uh, good story that nobody else was doing, and congrats to the Browns for for that going on. You know, and that, it's real geeky to even get into it. I don't. It's, never mind. Congrats, yeah, congrats. Kevin's the best. I'll just say it to that. I don't know. Here's and, and this is a whole other conversation, another time. I don't know the merit if you're running a radio station to having the Browns radio network. So, nobody cares about Sunday ratings and radio. Uh, you don't get a lot. We'll see how it works. I'll explain it more later another time. Most people don't care about it, so it don't matter. Well, yeah. Uh, but, I mean, I kind of feel like you've come this far with Browns Daily. You might as well keep it now that you're supposed to be good, right? Uh, they've, shoved, they've shoved it down so many people's throats that they got no choice. And I think that's where you generate your money in the sponsor. Like it's a sponsorship thing. It's not the content. Yeah, it is. Obviously. It's a sponsorship thing. There's no doubt. There's no doubt. It's um, the only way to take care of your sponsors. It's the only way to get your sponsors truly heard. No sponsor makes money on Sunday advertisement. That's what that show is about. It's two hours to get, and, and I love Bo Bishop. Bo's one of my favorite people in the media. Just a great guy, great person. Um, so it's, it's not me bashing that at all. And Bo's right. done a great job. He's helped take the show to another level, to be honest. Speaking of the old um, Browns, but King, uh, congrats to Phil Savage back in the game, uh, hired yeah. by the Jets and Joe Douglas this week. Uh, be real interesting to see what happens there because those Ravens guys, obviously, they have a, they know what they're doing. Uh, Ozzy raised those guys, and they had a system that worked for a long time, and they just didn't have a quarterback or they might have had more than the two Super Bowls they have. So if Sam Darnold turns out to be just even above average, that is a team to watch, I think, for a long, long time. I agree. Congrats to Phil Savage. I love seeing him back in the game. I hated seeing him. Uh, do all these other things. I think he's a really good football guy, and I think most of Cleveland gives him a shaft uh, because of what happened in his three years here. Is a, is a, is a it, this wasn't the place for him to do his career. He knows football players. He knows how to put a team together. Uh, for the Jets, looking as bad as they did for a few weeks, I think this is one of the greatest catches they could make uh, in getting themselves back to the proper place. Um, I got to go with congrats to all the people that dressed, all the players that were draft yesterday <laughs> why what happened and i oh god this is andre's old hates everybody but this is get off my lawn podcast um what happened just wearing a normal fucking suit jesus christ how many guys do i have to see wearing shit trying so hard i don't even know what bull bull had on and god bless him i hope his legs can work and help his career works out despite it's hard to get a normal effing suit on a guy nowadays hey we do it for the gram buddy we've changed um, we are two cranky old assholes, and we're out of things to bitch about, so we're going to cut this short. Shouts, as always, to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill. Check out the new place, and to American Fireworks. Guys, it's that time of year. American Fireworks extended hours. Uh, always open online 24-7 at AmericanFireworks.com. Go to the website and get the coupons, or go in and tell them A to Z sent you. They're good folks, and as you gear up for barbecue season, for 4th of July party season, they will take care of you. Any parting thoughts, or, or we get it all out of the way? Konnichiwa, old Andre. Amen. Talk to you next week on A to Z.